Hello and welcome to the Listics AFL podcast. I'm your host, John Van Norden, and we're here today to talk about the free agency period which has wrapped up for the year. Uh, there is still obviously delisted free agents can move at will, uh, but the restricted and unrestricted free agency period has closed and all of the matching period has also closed. So uh, there has been no matching on the restricted free agents and everyone is at their home. I'm here as always with my co-host Sean. Sean, how's your week going, mate? Um, yeah, it's a good start to the week. <laughs> Got a new job and uh, I'm fighting off a bit of sickness, but I'm getting through that. That's good, mate. Well, good that good that you're fighting off the sickness. Not that you are sick, and um, yeah, they're good to hear about the new job as well. And I guess there's a couple of footballers that have new jobs um, or new homes as well. Absolutely, there's. Um... Was five unrestricted or restricted free agents that have um, found their way through in the free agency period. Um, I guess the couple of the big fish got done um, in Tom Lynch and Scott Lysette and Luke Dalhouse, and then um, a couple of others got done as well um, with Reese Conker and um, Alex Fasolo. So, um, yeah, like it's not bad. We'll, we'll have a bit of a look at what, what they bring to each side. Yeah. All right, let's just jump into it. So uh, the first cab off the rank was Reese Conker to Fremantle in unrestricted free agency. Yeah, yeah. So looking looking at Conker, obviously, um, <laughs> I know a few Tigers fans who who won't be shedding any tears with this one. Um, I think Conker was one of those players who polarised a bit because he was a, a pick six. He's originally from Western Australia, so he's returned home for Freo. It was speculated uh, mid-season that he would he would potentially return home when he put um, his contract discussions on hold. Um, in the end of the season, he played 18 games as a as a half-back flanker, I guess, um, and he's produced his most consistent season since 2014. Um, he's only, I mean, he only played 15 out of the last 71 games before this season. Um, due to injury and suspensions and form, and so you know his 2018 was really good. Um, I guess in terms of uh, the Tigers, the loss of Conker probably won't hurt them too much. Um, his loss will likely be offset by guys like Oleg Markov and Jaden Short um, improving, and these guys are a hell of a lot cheaper than than Conker, um, which means they get a bit more cap space to bring in the big guns like Tom Lynch. Yeah, you're right. And, I mean, it's a, it seems like a, a reasonable deal all around for this one because Frio um, have been public in saying that they needed to add to their midfield and they needed to add to the midfield with players that can also play behind the ball. So this, this really suits Conker. I think that they see him playing a little bit more midfield time than the Tigers did. Uh, but I guess the, the big thing is going to be um, in four years' time, what are we looking at here? Is it going to be uh, Colin Sylvia, where he hardly gets out on the park and, and doesn't really show anything? Or is it going to be a success story where he plays above 70% of the games and, and is a consistent player in their, in their back half of the ground? For me, I, I think that it's just a good bet for them to place. The contract length might be a little bit long, but that said, sometimes you have to take that risk in order to bring players to your club. And I think that I think that he'll he'll slot into that side well. Yeah, look, I agree. He Ross Lyon's crying out for best twenty-two players, and Conker's going to move in and likely take the place of of a player like Luke Ryan or Ryan Nahus. Yeah, probably Nahus. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, like he's definitely an upgrade on Nahus. So 
you know, you're getting a best 22 player. He's not probably going to be in your top 10. Maybe he has a good season next year. Maybe he plays all right the one after. But for the length of his contract, I think he'll probably um, be around that kind of uh, 12 to to 18 bracket as Frio are improving. Um, but, you know, he'll probably slot onto the half-back line with Nathan Wilson, move up to the wing a little bit, maybe run through the middle a little bit, um, allowing, you know, maybe swapping with Adam Chera, who played a bit of half-back flank as well. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the big challenge for Conker and what Freo is banking on is that it's the 2018 or 2014 Conker rather than the 2015 to 2017 where he just, you know, was injured, suspended and out of form. So, good player. Not a bad um, pick overall, but I guess, you know, he's the best 22 talent, which is what Lyon wants. I don't know, like, you know, we spoke a bit before about maybe giving these things ratings. I guess, you know, this is kind of a a good try, like a good get, not amazing for them. I guess it's like a 6 out of 10 for me. Yeah, that's... that's yeah, let's leave it at that. It feels right. It's not it's not the best acquisition I've ever seen, but it's 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 a fair enough list move for them. Absolutely. Um Lukey Dowhouse. Yeah, so Lukey Dowhouse has joined Geelong as an unrestricted free agent. So that was probably because his cap or his salary in his final years wasn't enough to bring him into the top twenty five percent of players because he'd only been at the club for eight years. Uh so for them. He has it well. Definitely this last year. So definitely in 2018, he wasn't the same impactful kind of player as he was earlier in his career, and, and definitely in his premiership year. He lost a little bit of that kicking game, and apparently that there was a bit of speculation there from his former captain Murphy that he'd lost a bit of the the passion and drive that made him successful. I don't necessarily think it's that um, passion and drive. So that's a that can potentially be a, a bit of a low shot, um, but he, he's got traits that have just depreciated over time, naturally. He's a shorter player, so shorter players that are, rely on speed and tackling pressure and stuff like that, that's hard to maintain out over the course of your career. Um, he was never the most skillful player, but... Once his kicking um, has sort of been removed from his game, I remember early in the season he was recording games where he'd have 20 disposals and he'd have 19 handballs and one kick and that kick wouldn't hit a target. Um, It sort of becomes a bit of a liability. So it's going to be interesting how the Cats think that they can turn him around. I think that he has the scope to be a really great selection. I'm just not sure whether he's going to be a great selection or a flop. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the case with anyone who's who's probably had a down year before their free agency. So, look, I, I guess with Dal, I'm disappointed for the dogs that they've lost him in what looks to be quite bitter circumstances. Now, we don't know what's gone on behind the scenes, but obviously there's there's something that's not quite right there. Now, whether it was a, a really open discussion with with um, Lukey Beveridge or whether it's some other stuff, um, there's obviously something that's pushed him out and... You know that that really may have impacted his um, the, his game in the latter half of the season before he got injured. Um, I guess probably it's worth remembering that in the Premiership year he was the pressure king. Like, you know, I think in that Premiership year he averaged 26 touches, was was spending probably 50% in the midfield, really just pressuring, tackling, um, and then just hitting up through the midfield. But like you said, his kicking average was a lot higher. Yeah, and you know, kind of what you were saying is, you know, the the 2018 version of him, um, his 
kicking, you know, either he doesn't trust it or it's or it goes shoddy and he drops his head too quick. Um, and he probably drifts in and out of games too much for me over the last year now, whether that's managing his injury or whatever. But I think for the Dogs, um, his spot is going to get backfilled by, you know, they've got a bunch of young kids coming through, Billy Gowers, Lucas Webb, Pat Lipinski, you know. It, it's not a bad move overall for the Dogs letting an unsettled player go, even though he's of a very high talent. Um, I'm disappointed that they're going to lose him, but... Um, you really don't want an unsettled player at your club anyway. Yeah, it's um, it seems like a move for Harmony more than anything, and they obviously didn't believe, based on his form, that he warranted as big a contract as he was getting or as long a contract as he's going to get at Geelong. But that said, he, he's got the contract. I think that he'll make a difference to, um, to Geelong. Yeah. Definitely when Geelong is sort of pushing into that premiership window space where they really believe that they are almost there, and they probably believe that they didn't have that right sort of half-forward mix this year um, of, of pressure and impact. So they'll really be hoping for him to fill that role. Yeah, and that's 100% right. All you have to do is look at their final and what happened. They got out-pressured by Melbourne, and then their forward line just put no pressure on on Melbourne's back line when they were rebounding. So, you know, I think it's going to be a shame if Daniel Menzel isn't in the AFL next year because I think he, he's worthy of a spot. But his biggest deficiency in his game is also one of Dalhouse's biggest strengths and what the Cats are really missing in the modern game. And it's that real front-on pressure, the tackles, you know, just, just you know, a presence, I guess is what it is. You know, like when there's, you know, when there's a player who's ferocious at the man, ferocious at the ball, and you see him land one or two tackles early... You know, you just watch defenders and they just, they always have it in the back of their head, where is he, where is he? And if they can't see him, it's that implied pressure. Um, and Dal at his best, that's what he gives you, as well as that he can swing through the middle, you know, give give guys like um, Paddy Dangerfield and stuff a chop out. And he also offers defensive run when he's in the midfield. Um, you know, I, I've watched him a few times play midfield. He's actually very good on the defensive side of the stoppage, which is somewhere where Geelong really struggles as well. So... I think overall, if Dalhouse can deliver to what we know he can, what he did in 2016, I think it's going to be a ripping move for Geelong. But like you said, it could go either way. But I mean, for me, it's a very, very good signing. Yeah, it's the kind of signing that I would be making. Uh, I think that he's the kind of player that's worth taking the, taking the risk on. Um, for example, Collingwood made a similar offer, maybe with a little bit more money and one less year to Daniel Wells. Um, what was that, only two two full seasons ago now? And uh, they're a similar type of player, Wells being a lot more silky and classy, but both being that smaller forward mid. And this move is a lot better than that move was. Yeah, it is. And it's primarily better because it just comes without the really bad injury history. If you look at if you look at Dalhouse's history, he he doesn't miss huge chunks of games in any season. So it's a yeah, it's a it's a great move for the Cats in my opinion. Um, and yeah, I mean look again, putting a number on it to rank it against Conquer, I don't know, eight out of ten for me. Yeah, probably it's somewhere around a seven for me. Um, but then there was the big dog, mate. Woohoo! Tommy Lynch joining the Tigers. What a what a move for the Tigers. Yeah. Uh, I don't quite know how they've fitted him in. Apparently, heavily back-ended um, and, and, I guess, low front-end. So, he's going to be scaling up in a couple of years. So, they're really going for it now. But he, at his very best, is a top-10 player in the comp. So, uh, I think that they'll be hoping that he comes back to that level and um, 
have saved saved them having to draft a key forward in the last ten years. Look, it's a it's a lot like the Buddy deal, I guess. It's you know, Buddy's deal was massively back ended. You know, next season I think he'll he'll get the highest amount of money so far on his contract and Lynch's deal is built the very is very similar. Um, obviously with Richmond, as we spoke about on their podcast, they've got a lot of cap juggling to do. They've got, what is it? It's probably about 6 million tied up in 10 players or something. So, you know, some huge amount of money tied up in just a small amount of players. So they've really got a, um, a challenge on their hands, but I guess for the Gold Coast, like just starting with them before we get onto the Tigers, like we can't underestimate how much of a, of a, cost this is going to be to Gold Coast like we've said we saw how much they struggled when he went out with injury um they're just going to continue to struggle more they will you know like it, it's a massive loss and, and he was also their captain so you know you've seen all the rhetoric in the media about other guys following him out the door and that's what happens when you know a, an influential guy like that leaves um they offered him more money to stay but they couldn't convince him so I think you know, when it comes to the Suns, how they're going to replace him in the immediate term, I think it's really going to be difficult, and we're probably going to see them uh, probably contend with Carlton for the spoon and probably win it. Yeah, they would be um, favourites for the spoon after losing Lynch. Yeah, and and like I guess Sam Day comes back next year, so he he was originally drafted as a centre half forward, so they might swing him forward rather than having him back um, to work with Peter Wright. Um, I think Charlie Ballard's a, a young key position player on their list, but I don't know how good he's going to be. Um, they've got they've got great compensation at the end of it. Well, it's not you know they've got a, a pick that they wouldn't have got if they had had to trade for it. Yep. So I guess for for the Suns, it's really what do they do in five? What what do they want the size to look like in five years? So. I guess, you know, if the Blues pass on Lacocious, then do they swoop on him and then maybe pick up a Isaac Rankin or or Bailey Smith or something? You know, is it worth taking both Ben and Max King together as the twins and bundling them together and keeping them there for the long term, replacing your, your forward and back ends? Yeah, I, I don't think that they should take both of the King twins. Uh, I think that the King twins would both be very good players, but... I think the Suns, more than anything, need midfielders, so they will just have to um, change their forward structure a little bit, but suck up the loss um, and use that pick on a on a midfielder or someone that plays at least a little bit of midfield. Um, and P- Peter Wright, is, he's about at the right age to step up, and he has shown potential, so I'd like to see him given the full responsibility as the main man. And it shouldn't also be forgotten that they brought in um, some mature-age players uh, so they had the three mature age compensation players. Josh Corbett is a third tall, so he potentially uh, plays in Lynch's role around one next year. So he, he might take his spot. He won't play exactly the same role as him. Um, won't be as strong at the marking, but definitely a, a high potential player. And they also had Chris Burgess and Sam Collins. So Sam Collins will go into defence, um, which might free up some either for May to leave or for somebody to swing forward. And Burgess is a marking utility. So they've definitely, I, I think they've used the AFL's compensation in the right spirit and tried to bring in players that are going to help them immediately and players that potentially will help them into the future. But for me, um, this it sucks for them to lose. Uh, but at the same time, I think that if you could lose them, if you knew you were going to lose him um, and you were going to pick up a 
a gang young mid um, or a gang young once in a li- once in a generation player like a Lukosius, then you just cop it. Um, it's it's they've got to cop it now um, and and not lose any players for really the next three years. So maybe you can lose like a Jack Martin type, but they only really need to work out what the next midfield is going to look like. As for as for Richmond, I mean it's a steal. Um, so don't have to pay anything really for um, as far as picks and everything go. Obviously, he's going to have a big salary, but not as big as probably what he could get on an open market. And uh, I think that we saw, as we said at the end of the year, the reason why that they need Lynch. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see him next year. And I, I'm still yet to work out whether Richmond will be better because of it. Uh, it'll change their forward structure, that's for sure. Yeah, like, I think probably the biggest benefit for Richmond is diversity in their attack. Like, um, most Richmond supporters will cry out about being too Jack-centric, being Jack Rewalt. Like, when when they're up against it and their their pressure forwards aren't on, you know, they go for the bailout option to kick it to Jack. Good teams like Collingwood did shut them down on the ground and then just put an extra one, like let Jeremy Howe and stuff float in front of Jack Rewalt, and that's effectively how they shut them down. So, you know, Lynch comes in, becomes a second option. You can't have Jeremy Howe floating in front of two people. So um, I think it's I think it'll really straighten them up. Um, and as well as that, something I really noticed in, the, in that Collingwood game was that when their defence is under pressure and they're panicking, like most sides, they, they just bail it out. But the Tigers are usually pretty good at directing the bailout kick. So they, they usually are able to direct it in the vicinity of Nankervis or, or Rewalt. But generally they're working together. You know, one will jump while the other one will kind of stand back and almost block for him. Um, having Lynch gives them that other option, which, you know, if he goes to the other side of the ground, it, he then stretches that that um, shut-the-gate defence, I guess you call it. Yeah, what do, you, what do you rate the signing? Oh, it's an absolute 10 for me. Out of free agent signings, this is the absolute best. Yeah, I'll give it a 9, because I, I think that if it was going to be a 10, it, was, it would be somebody like a Max Gorn going to them. I know that he's not a free agent. Um, but I'd say that the player that they needed more than anything was a star ruck. So I'd say that this comes to a very, very close second. So I'll give it a 9 out of 10. Fair call. Scott Lysette, he was a ruck. He joined Port Adelaide. Yes. So fresh off a grand final win, and, and he um, and he's decided to go back to his his home club, actually. I believe he was a Port Adelaide magpie as a, um, as a junior or in 19s or something. So, you know, he's returned back home, effectively. Um, for the Eagles, I guess probably it'll hurt, uh, even though I'm sure a flag goes a long way to, to covering up that pain. Um, I mean, they, they've re-signed Gaff, which was a huge, huge move, which we spoke about in the podcast on on West Coast, um, and they would love to have kept Lysette, who really showed this year how good he is, because he played in a really good 1-2 tandem with Nick Nat. And then he went to number one ruck when when Nick Nat went down and he had Vardia support. In a weird way, the Eagles showcasing him in that way, playing him in conjunction with Nick Nat and then as a number one is what probably made him so attractive to Port Adelaide because they're looking at Paddy Ryder, who is a lot like Nick Nat in terms of an athletic ruck, and they're going, well, he could easily play with Paddy Ryder and that just fixes that ruck issue that they've had. 
Um, for the Eagles, I guess they've gone straight into the trade the trade market. They lost Lysette. They went and got Tom Hickey, who's a really good tap ruckman. Not so great around the ground. Um, um, I think I compared them side to side, and they're very, very similar rucks, Lysette and Hickey. But where probably Lysette separates himself is, is in his tackles, inside 50s, metres gained, and effective disposals. I guess you're going to get the same out of the ruck as you were, but you're going to lose a little bit around the ground. Yeah, I think that it's a good move for Port Adelaide. Um, maybe not a great move. It's a very long contract. Um, as for the Eagles, I think it was a good move to let him go. Uh, I think that the pick that they got back is more than um, adequate compensation. And uh, the acquisition of Hickey, um, while it might not cover it perfectly, they're going to have Nick Nat hopefully coming back late next year, uh, probably more likely the following year, um, given given his recovery last time. Um, but as you said, he makes a great one-two um, ruck for Paddy, and I think Paddy's shown after one season um, at Port where he was really strong uh, that he probably needs that support because his body broke down a bit and Lysette's body's broken down in the past. So I think that is a good combination. Uh, it's just a... I'd be interested to know how far out they were planning this because it does seem like a slight copycat move um, from seeing the way that West Coast were playing with Nick Nat and, and sort of making the decision that you were going to change your game plan and Port have changed their game plan a couple of times in the last couple of years so I'd like to see them settled um, when they go into round one next year I think that he will really help because he'll take the pressure off I think as we said when they were playing without a ruck um, and they were putting Charlie into the middle uh, to do the ruck work they had nothing forward so this at least gives them if one of the rucks is down a, a much straighter offense uh, which they would probably require with the game style that they play with it which is more just like a um, shark and hack forward um, so having those tall players forward will definitely help I don't know if it's going to be the um, the thing that turns that returns them up to the um, glory land yeah, mate, I'm probably going to have to respectfully disagree with you on this point. Um, I think that Lysette's a really good pickup for Port Adelaide, considering um, they just don't have any ruck depth at the moment. Um, and on top of that, um, the way they play, they were taking, as we spoke about on the podcast, they were taking Dixon and Howard out of their best positions for the team and causing structural deficiencies in their in their actual overall game structure. Um, and because of that, that's where Lysette is important. Now, I think Port's most important thing needs to be high-quality midfielders to, to get the ball out cleanly. But overall, having a good second ruck who can play consistently and is of AFL quality, considering Paddy's issues that he's had, consistently breaking down with hip flexes, Achilles and this, that, the other thing, I think it's incredibly important for them overall to have a, a strong second ruck. And while Lysette's had his hi- injury histories, it's, it's not been the same as Paddy Riders and it's not going to leave them high and dry. Yep, agree, mate. Um, for me, for me, it's probably like a, a seven and a half, um, seven and a half out of ten. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm leaning more towards eight and a half, nine, so... Um, I guess we'll we'll see how it ends up on the field. Yeah, it'll all come out in the wash. And the last free agent that found a home was Alex Fasolo. 
Yeah, the Fass. Your your boy, the Fass. Yeah, the, so um... I thought he was a I thought he was a good player at Collingwood. Um, I thought he was a good player for a, a, a long while. Obviously, he probably let out goal kicking a couple of times. He never really had a great run at it though. Injury uh, this year was form, and his role in the team was probably going to be questioned going forward with the rise of Stevenson and Tagoe, Josh Thomas, Jamie Elliott coming back, Will Hoskin Elliott stepping up and Travis Varco and Daniel Wales probably coming back as well. So he was really going to struggle to retain a spot in the side. That said, uh, it was an area of strength for Collingwood this year, that area of the ground. So I think that Fasolo adds adds something to the Blues. Agreed. Yeah, so you, you hit the nail on the head. He He's just too far down the pecking order. You named what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players ahead of him. Mm. So, you know, that really kind of just shows how far he's he's fallen down. Probably puts him in the back court or back half of your list. So he's really only going to get game time at, you know, when there's six injuries ahead of him. So I think for his career and also for, for Collingwood to free up some salary cap space and... For Carlton, it's the best move for all parties. So, for for Collingwood, they get some cap space. They say thank you to a good servant of the club who's been a little bit inconsistent. For Carlton, they get someone who's better than anyone else they've got on their list. So, <clears throat> this year, they lost Matt Wright. And part of the reason why they lost Matt Wright is they were too slow to offer him another contract, um, which really hurt them because I would have thought you would offer him one considering he's probably one of your leading goal kickers pretty quickly. But at the same time, Fasolo's younger. He's only 26 and a half. He's got a good three years ahead of him. Um, it's all just going to be if he can repeat 2016, you know, where he's averaging two goals a game. He played the better part of, I think, about 14 games for the season. And... Carlton are really going to be looking for him to play, yeah, 14 to 22 games as a crafty small goal-kicking forward. Um, he fits into the age bracket that, that they've publicly said they're missing in that 25 to 28 bracket. Um, at this current moment, they've only got four players in their entire club in that age bracket. So, look, a bit a bit like Conker, he's better than what they got at the moment. Um, he's not a long-term solution, but he's the best 22 talent and, and helps you build to where you where you want to head. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. You definitely need to be replacing the bottom players in your list with players that are slightly further up. Um, it would just be what the size of the contract of this is to see whether it's a big risk or if it's going to be a complete flop or success. Um, for me, it just sort of sits somewhere in the middle, somewhere between a um, probably a five or a six. Yeah, look, probably a six. I, I originally th- originally thought six, but I'm probably more leaning to a five at the moment. Yeah. Just... I think it's a bit of a, yeah, it's good for Carlton, but to be honest, I, I think the Pies are probably just as happy with this deal as, as well, even if they, I think they only got like pick 57 or something for it. Yeah, I'm happy with a third round pick back. And uh, that's all for us, Sean. Thank you for jumping on for the free agency wrap, and uh, we'll be releasing a trade wrap as well throughout the week, so please stay tuned for that. Uh, We're going to be trying to take a bit more of a deep analytical look into the trade period rather than just summarising with a quick grade, looking at how these trades are going to affect the teams uh, into the future as well as in the present um, because that's the 
that's the beast that is list management. You need to be able to manage the list to win a flag both now and into the future uh, and not just sacrifice everything for the now. So we will be releasing that later this week and I look forward to speaking to you more about that soon, Sean. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening.